0: Hey guys, welcome to Life and Things Podcast. So, today I've got a lot of things to talk about. Um, There's a lot of things going on right now in the world that, you know, could be slightly concerning. And so, I figured it would be well worth it to go over these things so that, for awareness purposes. I think that if we are not aware because, you know... The regular media like Fox and Fox News and CNN and all these different um, broadcasting media people, they're bought and paid for. We know it. So they're not going to fully report on any one thing. And if they do, it might be a little bit behind the eight ball. So I thought I would just kind of bring up some of these things. I know that there's a lot of people talking about these things. Um, You know, I live in a southern state that just got bombarded with the snow. It's already gone, of course, but, you know, one of the things that I noticed, so I figure I'll talk about this first, is uh, we decided to go out and get our shopping done because, you know, normally we go out on like Sunday, but instead we were out on Saturday to go shopping for the week. You know, we had to get lunch meals for my daughter and dinners for the week and just, you know, normal stuff. Well, we walked into a Walmart. And... It was absurd how little there was there. I mean, I was literally in shock. Now I know that you know for the last two three years I've kind of known that shortages were, you know, supposed to be happening per the community that I that I listen to. You know, I don't just listen to regular mainstream news because you know they don't they're not going to tell you if things are really crazy. So I listen to a lot of. Um, local reporters, people who um, don't work for any of the mainstream media outlets, you know, they're just citizen reporters. And so I've been hearing it for, you know, two, three years. And of course, after a while you're like, yeah, yeah, right, yeah, yeah. You know, but then all of a sudden after one year that, I, you know, when I when I thought about it, when I thought about shortages and what all that would mean and being that I understand supply chain a little bit and how that works, Um, I just had one image in my head and that was of my daughter starving to death. And I decided, "Ah, okay, I'm not going to let that happen just in case. I'm just going to, you know, start collecting a little bit of extra here and there. So I did. Um, and I've been doing that ever since just you know, a few cans extra here and there, not, not anything huge, but you know, after a few years of it, you start to really, you know, build a little bit of a stock. So empty shelves. Walk into Walmart and literally shelves were empty in almost every aisle. The meat department, you know, where you see all the Lunchables and the lunch meats that, you know, parents buy for their kids for making their lunch every week. There was not one thing there. Um, Milk had gone down. There was like barely any milk. Um, Eggs. I mean, there was just seriously almost every meat section was sparse. I mean, it was very scary, scary low. And then you go through the aisles and it's no different. Like literally every aisle had things, big gaps, huge gaps in their, um, in their stock. And then I went up to the produce section because, you know, we usually get bananas and strawberries and just things that I can, you know, healthy things that I can throw my daughter's lunch. And there was an, literally nothing. I mean, I think there, there was seriously so little in the produce section that it was very surprising to me. They had some bananas, so we were able to get some of those, but no strawberries, no blackberries, no blueberries, lettuce, none. I mean, all of that stuff that's in that refrigerated section was pretty much gone. Um, and this is ahead of a snowstorm now. So, okay, getting back to the snowstorm thing. I realize that the South panics whenever they hear of even an inch of snow. And, you know, I'm from the North, so I'm like, ah, one inch, big deal. But they freak out. So, you know, it was always a huge joke. You know, if you know that there might be ice or snowstorms in the, in the South, that, you know, there's going to be no milk, no eggs, no bread. Because those are the three things that typical Southerners go out there and just freak out and buy up. And, you know, I saw that to be true. Absolutely. Eggs, bread, milk, you know, those kind of things were very, very sparse during any type of a discussion of any type of snow because they had this really bad snowstorm. I believe it was back in 2014. They call it snow apocalypse. They got like three inches and it shut down the cities and people were stuck on the road for hours, some of them even overnight and going towards Atlanta um, and so i I heard about this when I first came down here and I was just like three inches really, but it's a big deal cause they don't have the equipment, you know, or enough of it to really clean things up quick enough. So I think they've gotten a little bit better since that year, you know, when there was school buses stuck out there on the road, but either way, people still panic, they still buy things up, but this seemed a little different. The amount of panic buying that would have had to ensue in order to see this much of a shortage where literally most of the, most of the food sections were empty. It was just phenomenal. I've just never seen anything like it ever. So, I mean, I'm starting to see images of that from around the country though, you know, so I've seen images from Alaska, from Michigan, um, New York, Florida. So it's happening and it's happening all over the United States, but there's definitely some food shortages going on. And so what's what's causing it, right? Let's go into that. First thing that they're gonna say is, oh my gosh, it's COVID. It's the Omicron variant. It's this variant, it's that variant. They're gonna always blame this because, you know, oh my gosh, we're in this pandemic and everyone's dying, which we're gonna get to a little bit later when I go through this this health thing. But, you know, China just recently, if you didn't know, just shut down ports, not just their ports in their country, but also the ports here. Hey, Code, welcome. So China is shutting down all their ports, which is, you know, we get a lot of stuff from China in the United States, lots of stuff. I mean, from the food industry standpoint, I know that some of the stuff we make, obviously, is produced here, packaged here, and sent out from here. But... You know meats a lot of like poultry there's just a lot of different things that even if it's started here it's sent over to china they process it then they send it back why we do this i don't know it seems silly but that is what is happening and now china is shutting down ports so shipment out of china is going to be scarce Then we've got the backlog of the ships going on in the harbors and all of that. We've got the truck driver shortages and it's going to be even more, especially from like Canada and stuff like that, because they, they now are doing that, that jab mandate. And there's a lot of truckers who are like, no, we're not doing that. We're just going to quit. So there's that going on. And then of course, all of the bad weather we've been having. I mean, it's been phenomenal how much bad weather we've been having. You know, first it was, tornadoes in november which is just odd no matter where you live in the united states you know like huge outbreak of these tornadoes super warm weather very odd and then all of a sudden snowstorms and blizzards that just went up up the entire east coast and then people are like panicking like oh gosh you know are we gonna be able to leave are we able to you know especially in the south they're like oh we're gonna get it snowed in even though you know they should know by now it's all gonna melt (laughs) right (laughs) as soon as the sun comes out but panic buying there and now there's just empty shelves in so many places so there's all those things that we are worrying about now that you know in my opinion at this point not that i'm saying that anybody should be hoarding anything because that's just ridiculous but for anybody who already you know, has a large family, let's say, it's just wise just to make sure you've got a little backstock. It's just wise at this point. I mean, we had the toilet paper shortage of COVID that just totally wrecked everyone. (laughs) There's people fighting over packages of toilet paper. And, you know, it won't be any different if food goes short. People are going to panic even more because, you know, now it's not just about wiping themselves. It's about feeding their family. So... You can expect that if this continues, you know, if shortages get worse and it continues and things like more, you know, the shutdown of the ports doesn't let up and all these things, people are going to start panicking because it's just human nature. And then once one small group of people panic, it spreads and it's just, it can be quite chaotic. So a word to the wise, just get yourself some extra stuff. Buy stuff your family loves to eat and enjoys and just keep a little extra stock. One thing I just bought was um, chocolate. (laughs) I think it would be absolutely ridiculous if we ran out of chocolate, but my daughter loves it. So because of the fact that she likes to have her occasional chocolate, I'm going to make sure I have a little extra in my house. And you can keep it, you know, sealed and tight so it doesn't go bad. Um, I know this sounds like I'm one of those raging preppers, but I'm not. But, you know, I did buy some, some Mylar bags so that I could seal it up and put those little oxygen absorbers so that it could, you know, things like chocolate could stay longer because it does go bad. All right. So off of the empty shelves thing, which is being talked about even on Fox News now, which is wild. And MSNBC, I mean, there's so many news stations that right now are now covering this food, the food shortage. (laughs) Um... I want to go into this new bill that just got passed. So it got through the house. It got through the Senate and obviously the president signed for it and it's HR 3684. That is the number of it. HR 3684. And this, what this is, is it's a huge, huge bill. I mean, it's, I don't know probably 200 pages. I'm probably overdoing that a little bit, but it's pretty long. And what this bill covers, let me pull it up real quick. I have it on, but I just don't have it up. It basically covers infrastructure, investment and jobs. So it seems very simple and like reasonable just by reading the what it is, but if you read into it, it basically states that, you know, it's obviously over transport and infrastructure. In fact, it was the House Committee of Transport and Infrastructure that started this thing um, through, but it also goes into transportation in other ways. So here we go. Let me pull up that news article that I found that just sort of explains it because it's it's really wild. All right, here we go. Now, this is by newsbeyonddetroit.net. Now, I've got MSN as well that did a story on this as well. So just give me one second. Basically, and this was written two, year, two months ago, it's called Kill Switch will be required in all new cars in about five years. So in the bill, and I found the section, which is section 24205. So when you pull it up on your computer or whatever, go down to section 24205, and it will actually tell you that they want to put a car shutoff in all cars. And they said that, it, you know, from the time that it passes, they're expecting it to be. Oh, thank you, code. Um, That they are expecting it to be in the next like two to three years from when the, past, the bill is passed. So that would be between 2025 and 2026. So, okay. So it says here buried deep within a massive infrastructure legislation, recently signed by President Biden is a little noticed safety measure that will be in effect in five years is what this says marketed to Congress as a benign tool to help prevent drunk driving. And what they're going to do is they're going to require all automobile manufacturers that build every single type of car out there to put a vehicle kill switch in. And this will allow basically for anybody who's in law enforcement to put a little code in that can literally just shut your car off. It'll just shut it off. And on top of that, the car will also have in it vehicle operational controls that will allow it to see how you are driving. And they've also said that there might even be something in there where it can basically take Samples from your breath and be able to analyze it for alcohol potentially. Now, I'm not going to say that that's for, you know, exactly written in the bill because I did not find that, but that's what some of these articles that I've read are saying. And so there's a couple problems I find with this. Okay. I'm totally against drunk driving. I mean, it kills so many people per year, typically not the drunk driver, but usually whoever it is that they come in contact with while they're driving. So I'm totally against drunk driving, but this can be used in so many different ways. and they might pass it so that this can get put in place, but it won't stop them from later assessing need and deciding that you know they want to use it for other things. You know and then there comes into that whole part like safety, right. So a car shuts off all of a sudden in the middle of traffic you know, on an interstate, let's say, where people are going 65, 75, even 80 miles an hour. I mean, can you imagine the accidents that that in itself would cause? And then on top of that, we've got this whole hacking thing going on right now. There's so many systems that are being hacked. I mean, they've hacked our water system. They've hacked our power stations. They've hacked our gas lines. I mean, they've hacked so many things. What makes anyone think that this won't be any, this will be any difference? A hacker will figure out how to hack into the system. And then you know, what do they do? Just put the kill switch on like, eh, I'll just choose 20-30,000 cars that are on the road right now all across the United States, put the kill switch, multiple accidents, lots of fatalities. I mean, that just sounds like a nightmare waiting to happen. So There's just so many things that are wrong with this. And on top of that, if they are also checking to see exactly the way that you are driving, I mean, you could swerve in the road because you don't want to hit like a squirrel. (laughs) And they're going to be like, oh, drunk driver, kill switch, and then you're stuck. Wherever it is that you happen to be where the, you know, and people are not gonna be able to get to work. You're gonna probably hold up traffic because your car went off. So there's just, ah, there's just so many potentials here of things that could go wrong. So that was just one thing that they found in this HR 3684 that is horrendous. And I'm sure that as I read into this, cause I'm gonna read the whole bill, um, that I'm sure there's probably other things that have been snuck in there that are questionable to say the least. Luckily, we've got until, you know, 2026 to try and get this reversed or taken out or whatever. But, you know, who knows if that's going to be possible. So also, msn.com wrote about this. They brought it up as a sci fi tale, which I thought was interesting. They said that um, there was an X files episode that aired called kill switch. In 1998, Um, and it was about AI going rogue, which, by the way, more than likely, if they put a kill switch in, there will be some control through an AI system because they are, if if it's not already here, which it might be in some small form, AI is a thing. I mean, it's just, it's going to happen. They're talking about it. They're putting it into place. um, And these are going to be learning computers Uh, They've already created these little tiny nanobot things that they've learned how to reproduce themselves. So one little nanobot can create more nanobots and it's wild. So Google that if you want to hear about that. It's just some, some real crazy things. So AI more than likely will be involved when it comes to this new kill switch that they're going to be putting into the vehicles. And then, you know, what can go wrong there? You know, AI deciding our fates. Seems a little bit scary, but they're saying here that this is a huge violation of the Americans' privacy and impaired driver driving isn't defined by the legislation, so it would be open to interpretation by the regulator. So, yeah, yeah, but they're saying that this is a safety feature, and I just think that it's wrong. It's super wrong. All right. My next topic is about this um, immune support protocol. So there is a cohort of doctors out there that are, you know, from the very beginning of this pandemic, decided to gather together from all countries and start researching and studying this virus and try to find out what the best method was to treat people who are having really bad reactions. Uh, One of them is very out there. I mean, he's always talking about it on different platforms, specifically not on mainstream media, although I think he has gone on mainstream media, but I mean, he's been deplatformed. And this is an MD, like he's been practicing medicine for a very long time. Um, And a lot of these other doctors as well, but um, for this one specifically, He has been practicing medicine for a very very long time all right so there is a nurse though who kind of got together with these doctors because she heard about them she herself almost died from covid and the treatments they were giving her because of her already health conditions was making her worse so she started doing her own research and figuring out how she could help herself because their treatments were killing her and so she's the one who put this together along with the support from this cohort of doctors. And her name is, her last name is Witt Bontz. Witt Bontz. And I think it's two names hyphenated, you know, she's been married twice or whatever. And so this is, I just printed it out and it says here obviously that this, she's not trying to give any full medical advice. She um, was a qualified medical practitioner, but she's not trying to give you any medical advice. And I agree with that. You don't ever want to do that. You still want to talk to your doctor, but here is what she said. She said, immune support protocol only works if you have all the items. And she stated that there's a lot of things that can go wrong with SARS COVID-19. Um including the fact that sometimes it might take a while for you to even get in to see a doctor. So, the first thing she recommends is getting a nebulizer. The nebulizer, and she has some things, I'm going to attach this at the bottom of this when um, when I'm done with this live stream. But with the nebulizer, she said you want saline solution because you're going to use that to dilute the following ingredients. The first ingredient is 3% food-grade hydrogen peroxide. And the second thing is called Lugol's 2%. You add the two of those things into the nebulizer with the saline, and she has a recipe here. I'm not going to read it word for word. And then you're able to inhale that in a According to her, from her experience, this will help to kill all viruses and all bacteria. So it's even good for like sinus infections. So me myself, I'm going to go ahead and Lugols. By the way, is a form of iodine, which I know we're um, we're all terrified of iodine, and it has like the skull and crossbones on the bottle. I remember this whole thing when I was young. My grandma was a big proponent of iodine she put iodine on everything oh you've got a wound here's some iodine it burned like nobody's business and so my mom got used to using it as well so quick story i had like a canker sore or something in my mouth and my mom's like yeah just take the the iodine and just dab a little bit on there it'll dry up and be gone in a couple days so i'm in the bathroom doing that my dad walks by and he sees what i'm doing and he sees the bottle and he freaks out And is just flipping out saying that i'm poisoning myself well you know though in large doses iodine is poisonous we also have a certain amount of iodine that we're supposed to be getting in our diet anyways because iodine helps with numerous things which you can look that up yourself i might cover it maybe later in a different live stream but um so she says you know you want Lugels. Iodine, 2%, 3%, food grade hydrogen peroxide. And you're gonna be diluting down both of those things with the saline solution. And she tells you exactly how many drops to put in of everything. And with that, you're basically going to be putting that into the nebulizer and inhaling it know letting it vaporize in there and with that she says it will kill literally everything and you you know I'm gonna start using this because I'm prone to like sinus infections (coughs) so is my significant other so I'm gonna start using this I've already got a nebulizer because I have asthma so we will see how that works out and I will let you guys know And of course she has all these precautions. She has all kinds of things that you're supposed to buy. Some other inf- interesting information that she puts on here is that Tylenol, also known as acetaminophen, deplete glutathione, which is tied to higher mortality rates in viruses such as COVID. So she recommends not taking Tylenol or acetaminophen, but instead, Um, taking something like an an NSAID, like naproxen sodium, which also, from what she was saying in, in a live stream, I heard from her that that actually has an antiviral effect already. So if you're trying to bring down a fever or what have you, don't use acetaminophen because it actually doesn't help. But instead use the naproxen sodium. So there is that page. She also recommends something called quercetin, which I do have that. I heard about quercetin at the very beginning of the pandemic. So taking quercetin, it has a bunch of holistic, all natural things. It's not a medication, um, but it helps protect you from viral infections through the different antimicrobial effects of the different ingredients. This was a new one on me in this report. She says melatonin, two milligrams nightly before bed. Research indicates that people who take melatonin regularly are less likely to test positive for SARS cov uh, two, and less likely to develop severe COVID. And the reason why this is, is because melatonin actually has anti-inflammatory response in the body. So it helps to bring down inflammation. Well, what does COVID do? It helps create inflammation, which is why the lungs get attacked so badly. So that's another one melatonin. So I'm, you know, I'm going to start I've, well, I started taking it already. I've always had melatonin for times where I've had trouble sleeping because I have a bit of insomnia at times, but this is definitely something that I would recommend for anyone. I mean, it's good for children too. Melatonin helps them not have that sluggish after effect, but they get good sleep. So if you have a child that fights sleep, melatonin's the way to go. Bronson D3K2. So I know that vitamin D has all always been positively spoken about when it comes to COVID, but she says that having K2 with the D3 is very, very important. So I'm actually going to be buying some of that soon, too. Um, She says that having a lot of vitamin D in your body is good. D2 doesn't do as much as D3. For some reason, doctors are always prescribing D2. But she says that D3, um, consider taking D3 to maintain a blood vitamin D level between 50 and 80. You want D3, not D2. D2 does not improve immunity. 5,000 IU daily is safe. If you have a diagnosis of parathyroid disorder or high blood calcium, she said, check with your doctor before adding D3. And then she said that there is two different, so it says parathyroid disorder are not the same as thyroid disorder. These are two different glands. D3 is fine to take if you have a thyroid disorder always take daily vitamin D3 in combination with K2 because K2 directs calcium to the bone. So people with like osteoporosis or who are aging and are starting to lose their bone density, the K2 will prevent the calcium from being depleted is what she's basically saying. So that I found very interesting. She also here states that selenium 200 uh, micrograms, one capsule daily. You should be taking that if you are taking iodine orally, which she has a recipe for that as well. Um, I don't recommend taking iodine orally unless you read her paper (laughs) because you can't just drink that stuff. It's like a super, super duper diluted version of it. So read the paper, talk to your doctor. That's, That's what I would say there. And education is really the biggest piece of this, right? Being educated before making decisions. Um, vitamin C, she recommends 1,000 to 3,000 micrograms daily. For this, um, she's basically stating blah, 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 blah. Some studies, blah, blah, blah. So the vitamin, I mean, Vitamin C, that's that's normal, I would say. What else did I see? Zinc. Ah, so she says definitely take some zinc, which I think all of us have heard that at some point. But you want to take zinc with copper because zinc apparently um, depletes your copper in your in your body and copper to a certain level is necessary. For your body's, um, like it says here, ah, education on zinc. Zinc should always be taken with copper. Taking zinc without proper, without copper, can cause an imbalance in copper levels. And copper is extremely antiviral, so we don't want that, is what it says. D three education. She has a saline recipe for how to make your own saline. Oh yeah, she I mean she's got things on here that, that tell you how to make your own nasal spray. I mean, there's just so much stuff here. It's unflippin' believable. And most of this stuff, I mean, it's it's stuff that probably was known back in like the 40s and 50s before a Big Pharma came up with all these very expensive things that we really don't need. Um, so this woman is amazing so I'm gonna link not only her Facebook page onto this when I upload it onto my regular podcast page but I'm also going to put a link to her website and to this paper specifically because I mean it's really good information I know that my grandmother used a lot of these things and people who don't know any better don't realize the effects I mean of some of these things like iodine. You know, I mean, honestly, I knew my grandmother used it all the time, but I had no freaking clue why. Um, there was also one of the things my grandma used to do was put vinegar on her chicken and then she'd spice it after soaking in vinegar for a while. Well, I, I never really connected the two, but she'd always, and this is really kind of gross, but you know, she would always take her finger and taste the spices that were already on the chicken to make sure that she had it right. And as an adult, I was like, ah, How did she not get sick from that? You know, how did she not get sick? Well, apparently the vinegar not only kills all the microorganisms, but her chicken was so good because it tenderizes it. So it doesn't dry out. It doesn't get, you know, it tenderizes it. So if you're looking for an easy way to tenderize and kill germs, add some vinegar to your food, soak it in a little bit. All right. So there is that immune support protocol. I'm going to tell you right now. There's just so many things going on right now in this in this country. I mean, we've got companies complaining of of labor shortages. Yet you hear people talking about those who are out there looking for a job. It's so hard to get responses from these companies. And then, and then on top of that, you know, you've got these recruiters and you you know, contacting you, but then nothing comes of it. So this is widespread. And if you're looking for a job and you're one of those people who just are not really wanting to get the the vaccine, which you know, I'm not gonna say you should or you shouldn't, I think that it's a personal choice and we should all make our choice and be able to make our choice for our body. Um, But a lot of companies are fully requiring the two vaccination to be fully vaccinated. And then now some of them are actually adding on their that they at least have to have one booster. And, you know, there's there's just not enough research to state that this is 100% fixing the problem. Not enough research. I I worked in big pharma for a couple of years doing validation work and the processes and procedures that they go through um, for anybody who's listening who has never worked in pharma, um, they are extensive. They've got project groups that pull together these big, huge projects that go through an array of different testing and different levels of testing for different year spans. And typically a new drug, vaccine drug, anything that it is labeled by the FDA as being a pharmaceutical drug, they have to go through least least, at the very minimum, 12 years of research. Submit all of that research with proof that, you know, A, it's not harming anybody, and B, that it's doing what they say it's doing. And this came out in a year, maybe less than a year. So there is some cause for concern, because this was, you know, a new, a new thing. I mean, it wasn't, It's not like it was something that they've done a hundred times before. This was a fully different way of doing a vaccine. They had no proof that it would work. They had no proof that it didn't harm people. And then they put these mandates out there that, you know, are a little bit scary. And so for those people out there who are not not getting the vaccine, it's like, you know, I get it. (laughs) And for the people who are getting the vaccine, I get it too, because, you know, they're in fear of getting sick and that, you know, all these people that died. Um, One of my old co-workers sent me a video. Now, I'm not going to say that this person was truly a doctor because, yeah, you just never can tell. But what this video betrayed was a man wearing what looked like a doctor's coat. He had a framed thing in the background that looked kind of like his license. And his name is Dr. Pearson Perry, it looks like. Or Pierre, maybe? Dr. Peterson Pierre. So what he basically stated, and maybe I can just play the clip for you because I've got it right here. But he stated that there's like six different ways that hospitals are getting paid for this stuff. Actually, maybe more. I might be totally misstating that. Um, I knew some of it just because I knew people who worked for hospitals who came clean and said, yeah, you know, like one of the things that I knew is that on their, their new forms that they have people fill out when they first get admitted into a hospital, that they have a checkbox at the tops that you can check boxes say, whether this is COVID related. Um, somebody that I worked with had a friend whose wife had to go in for a, a surgery. An elected surgery um, for something that she needed to have done, but it was elective. And she went in there, her husband's filling out the forms, you know, whilst they're prepping her. And at the very top, it had the checkbox, but it already had a check in it, basically stating that this was COVID related. Well, coming to find out that in the event that somebody dies in a hospital and they have that box checked, they can get, I think it was. I think it was like $10,000 more for that death from the government. I think that's what I heard. And this man basically states that there's like so many different things that a hospital can do. So they want you to go to the hospital, get tested because they get money for testing people for free. They get tested even more or they get more money for if that person tests positive, they get even more money. If that person is then hospitalized because of COVID they get even more money If the person has to get certain treatments like remdesivir, which I've heard some bad things about, you know, it doesn't really do the job that it should be doing. And if people have other health issues, it can actually cause bad effects with those health issues. So remdesivir, they get more money. They get even more money if they have to uh, put that breathing tube in the person. Now the breathing tube I know for a fact is not helpful for COVID because what it does is the breathing tube goes down there and it forces air into your lungs. Well, your lungs are, you know, going into these effects where, um, they're swelling they're they've got the inflammation going on. And so they're overproducing mucus because of the virus, right? We know this is happening. And then. What ends up happening is, is the air being forced down there, then plasters that mucus to the lungs, kind of plastering all of the, the different little air sacs that are in your lungs against itself. And that prevents you from, from, from breathing. So most people who actually have had this happen, the fatality rate has been enormous. It, they've learned that it's not really the way to track or to treat this, this virus. It just isn't because of what, what the virus is doing to the lungs versus, you know, what the machine is doing to the lungs also. So, but they get money for putting people on those things. And then if the person dies from COVID, obviously they're getting more money. So it's like all these different things and I'll see if I can't post that video also underneath this, um, I think that he said, if I'm not mistaken, at the very end of the video, that it ends up being almost a million dollars if the person dies in the hospital from COVID. And then he even mentioned that then the coroner who handles the body then gets paid as well for the patient. So the doctor is basically stating, and I'm not going to say this is true or false. I have no idea. But... Some of it I've heard. <laughs> what this doctor says is that the crazy part is is that these hospitals are basically pay getting paid to, to kill people, and anybody at the very top ranks of this hospital could potentially not care about the death of the person, and more so about the money because you know that you know the higher up the chain they are, the more money they get. You know, the CEOs, presidents, owners of these hospitals are probably like raking it in the dough and they're like super happy. So it is possible that these kind of things can cause those nefarious people from coming out of the woodwork. And that's all I'm going to say. So if there's anybody who has any proof about this, um, please leave comments and things like that in the, in the comment section, because it's, it's interesting. Is this guy telling the truth? I mean, he is, according to this video, a doctor. He looks like a doctor. It looks like he's got his little license in the background. Um, I'd be interested to know. All right, guys. Well, I covered everything I wanted to cover today. Um, the only other, th- oh, there was one other thing I wanted to mention. I'm starting to look into Amazon self-publishing. I've been working on a book, um, And I'm about four chapters into it. So I'm looking into KDP publishing. So far, it seems very interesting. I don't know how things sell, but if you can figure out how to make your own cover and make the book and design and organize it appropriately, it could be a really good thing because you're getting 70% of all the sales that you make. And they're very straightforward. So I published a book, um, a low content book. Which there's so many things on YouTube about this. So I just watched some. I kind of learned how to do it. I've got four books out there now, but they're just like they're low content. They don't really have much in it. They're like journals and things like that. Four of mine have now been released. So I will keep you guys posted if this is something that maybe more people might be interested in doing for some a little extra cash flow. All right, guys, thank you so much. If you have time, check out my blog on thriveforwards.com. In the description below, I'm going to be placing a bunch of all the links that I talked about today, as well as all the links that are always there. So feel free to check out those links until next time you guys stay safe. Keep your eye out for things that are going on in this country, because there is definitely some wild stuff going on and just have have some fun. There's no need to um, to be glum about it. Just prepare for the worst and hope for the best. That's what I'm doing. That's what I suggest everyone does. Don't let it take you down. All right, guys. Talk to you guys later. Bye.